Something wrong with your tea? It is tea. I detest this stuff. Tea? Tea? 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 Something wrong with your tea? Well, 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 what do we have here? Another tinfoil tea party? I think so. It's been a while. It has indeed. <laughs> we really apologise, guys, because obviously the last one we did was in January, I think with Cole. Oh. But <laughs> we got married and then I moved to the United States. So it's really been hectic. It's been absolutely an absurd timing for us to actually be able to sit down and just do one of these. You know, Sari has been working from home because, of course, the current corona outbreak. So we really haven't had the time to be able to sit down and do one of these. And I'm really sorry because I know a lot of you guys have been asking, yep. when is the tinfoil coming back? You know, there's so much in the air surrounding Dragon Age right now. Where is the TFTP? We want some tinfoil. We need, you know, to do some theories. We want some dissection. But hey guys, we're finally back. And I really do apologize for that. But you know, it's, it's been a lot happening right now. I moved to the US in particular and yep. we got married. So yep. Kind of a big deal. And then, of course, the whole corona outbreak happened right in the middle of all of that. So, yeah, we've really just now just been able to find the time on my birthday, randomly, to just find the time to do this. So, we're back. And we are talking about everything to do with Twinter Nights. So, full spoilers ahead for that. But can we just say that... So far, 2020 sucks. I mean, yeah. I've moved to the United States and that's been amazing. And we got married, which is also just amazing. But this year, so far, it just sucks. So I'm really glad that we have had these tiny little tidbits of Dragon Age content, Dragon Age news. I know a lot of you have seen my recent news video, judging by the views it's got, that we at least do have some hope for Dragon Age right now. And of course, we've had an amazing month in the past of right. Blue Wraith and Tevinter Knights. So really, it has been a great time to be a Dragon Age fan, even though right now the world is kind of crap. And also we've had Animal Crossing, which <laughs> has been <laughs> where a lot of my time has gone recently. I have yep. been cranking out this game to try and get my, definitely going to be my favorite villager, Audi, one of the new characters in the game. And I've just been, I've just been drained by doing that, you know? I haven't created <laughs> content in a week because I have just been grinding the game to get, a, and I haven't time skipped yet, but I'm just it's tempting. It's tempting, but I just, I just want Audi. You know, I, I've been getting frogs and I've been getting penguins, and I just, I really want this really rare villager. So at least if I'm Animal Crossing, it's turned around as well, and it's helped me cope during this outbreak. Right, but, same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been spending all time getting her. Isn't she like inspired by? She's inspired. Grandmother yeah, she's inspired by a grandma that's paid like three hundred thousand hours of it of New oh Leaf. My goodness. So she's a rare character, and I, and I really want her because. You want a grandma wolf? Because uh, she's like a really cool, young, sweet, you know, really rocking, punk kind of cool wolf. <laughs> <laughs> she looks sweet and I, I, I want her as a villager. So just going to keep on grinding. Hopefully by the time of this release, I will have Audi. But it's also my 22nd birthday today. So Happy I don't know about you, but I'm feeling... You. 22. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> good Taylor Swift reference. Yeah, 2020 is not that good, and I don't know what to say much about it. I don't, I'm not the type that likes to work from home. That's just me. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had like somebody say, what, what, what did that lady say to us? Oh, we had someone tell us to get out that way. <laughs> yeah, get away from me. Like when we went to the grocery store. And yeah, the world's crazy right the now. The world's just too stressed out and agree with it. But I think Animal Crossing and That's Dragon hot. Age <laughs> news has been helping a lot with the stress. And Yeah, it has. 
the hecticness we've been feeling around here, at least in our local area. <laughs> On top of that, I, I did send out a tweet that I was going to start streaming, but yeah. with Saria working from home and with the current yeah. outbreak and just working on content, and now that Animal Crossing is released, I'm going to delay that for a fair bit just because of the current outbreak. I haven't, we don't really have the time to, right. you know, we have a small apartment as it is. I can't really be streaming while, you know, Saria's at work. So yeah, the, 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 that's going to be something that I'm going to put on hold just for a fair bit, but I do intend on streaming in the future. Um, probably Mass Effect Andromeda, but we'll see. Maybe Dragon Age. Definitely a Bioware game, but that's something that I am certainly working on. But with that, we did have to tonight's release, and that was an amazing portion, you know, of Dragon Age content. So much to dissect, so much to delve into that I'm sure both me and Saria are not done talking about in our own personal videos. I am certainly not. I'm still working away on my Twin Tonight's predictions video. It's just Animal Crossing has got the better of me. But I'm definitely <laughs> going to be releasing that video as soon as I get Audi. <laughs> but um, no, the, the Twin Tonight's has opened. And it's, for me personally, it's sparked so much content, so many ideas. Exactly. And it's just given me so much hope and enthusiasm for the future narrative of Dragon Age. There is so much in this book that if you haven't read it, again, I must preface for like the 50th time. You need to go read this book. You really do. It's an amazing book. The authors have done a cracking job at just creating so much new lore and just segmenting so many amazing pieces of stories together. I absolutely adore it. So much, even more than a lot of the previous Dragon Age books, you know, this anthological kind of book is, is for me, was way better than things like The Last Flight. So yeah, I really, I really liked the style to it, even though obviously you don't get the entire narrative, you don't get one solo narrative throughout. You do get to enjoy a lot of mini experiences of different pieces around Thedas, so I really like that. I think it had its own charm because yeah you do have different stories so it gives more um, information about different places because we have a lot of things that we don't know a lot of unanswered questions from inquisition so i think it really narrowed everything down to okay we're going to be here in these areas and these are the factions that we've been introduced to in this book and it's really interesting to see because we're going to see in dragon age 4 i believe at least um all of these at least not all of the characters but like all of these factions um and areas that we've been discussing within this we're going to be discussing some of these things and it's good for buyer because they're really having this vision now that's been placed um i don't know how long this book took but at least within the last two years they've yeah. been um narrowing it down um even we've even listened in the comics too they've been getting more imagery yeah. um switching to different projects um, you know disbanding you know obviously we know and then going back to morrison they have a different point of view of what they want to do now they want yeah. to do more action-based things and that's exactly what we were seeing in Tevinter Nights and yeah. like Jack said totally read it because you're missing out on the plot you're missing out on any information you're going to be lost I think at Dragon Age 4 if you have not read it yeah um, yeah and if I didn't read the books before I played Inquisition so Asunder and Mast Empire those two when you read them it feels like you're getting way more of the picture because Cole was barely talked about yeah. if you read Asunder then you have Cole and then as well as um, the whole Orlesian War, you way more you learn about informative. Celine, Brianna, yeah, Gaspar. exactly. You about build them. A picture about them. I'm sorry, in the game they weren't really talked about a lot of those subjects. So that's definitely something you need to read because they're not gonna be probably talked about in the game. It's gonna be one point of view with the protagonist and that's probably pretty much it. So I think this is gonna be a really good segue for them to move forward um, with the plot. Definitely. No, there's so many it's a springboard for Dragon Age 4. And it gives me hope and it's really sparked just so many ideas for me as yeah, well but so many different directions because before Twin Tonight's I realised in hindsight we really didn't have that much of an idea of Dragon Age 4 other than spies heists Dreadwolf right. but now we have 
so much more of an idea. Antiva is becoming more of a viable option, you know. We have a lot of Twinter and a lot of Navarra stuff going on, so there is a lot of viable things. And and we're going to talk about all of that. But for now, for those who haven't read Twinter Nights, again, we have full spoilers ahead. Go and read it. It's a very enjoyable book. We don't want you to get spoiled by what we say, so... I've seen some people get fair. spoiled by it, and it's really not fair. I don't know why you would want to spoil yourself for it, you know? And I know I've made my own Dreadwolf Take You video, but that, again, is for people who have read the book. I don't want to spoil this for you. We don't want to spoil it for you. So please go and read it for yourself because it's amazing. But enough book plugs, we're going to now delve into to Vinter Nights. Now, Saria, what was your overall thoughts on this book, your overall opinions? Of course, we had it early. That was something that I was not expecting. I just moved yeah, to Pittsburgh. We did not expect that at literally all. Literally a week later, Julia Bradley, a press assistant at Titan Books, literally emailed me and said, hey, would you like a physical copy of to Vinter Nights? And I was like, I would, but I'm still, I've just moved to the United States. So is there any way you guys could either send me a PDF or actually get me a, send me a physical copy in the mail? And fortunately, I was so lucky that Julie Bradley, the very next day, sent me a digital copy of Twin Tonight's. So I was very, very lucky to actually receive that book early. And as I said in my video, that is one of my biggest dreams on YouTube, is to receive Dragon Age material early. And so now I can consider that dream fulfilled because it happened. Yay. So no, we, we did have plenty of time to actually dwindle on Twin Tonight's. And we also did pick up a physical edition of the yes. book because, of course, we wanted that map and we wanted to support the authors themselves and Bioware. Well, that was funny in itself to get that because we went to Barnes & Noble. Americans will know that one. Um, but we went there and the one I went near my work was like, oh, we don't have it. Uh, it will come like, I think three days later after release. So I was like, okay, I'll go to the one that actually has it in stock. Um, so it's kind of a way, far, far away. Yeah. But we went there at night and they had it in the shelves. They had it on the shelf. Two days earlier. No, it was, it was, it was Friday. It was so Friday. It was, it was, it was released was Tuesday. Four days. Yeah, it was about four, three days earlier. And it was on the shelf. And he's like, oh, how many copies do you need? I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> how many have you got? <laughs> I was, yeah, so they had like three on the shelf and we got it. And we got it was it. really surprising because I was not expecting them to like have a book out. And then you see like, I think there's a new like Suzanne Collins for Hunger Games book coming out for like President Snow and that one's like around the same time it's like coming out on the Wednesday and they didn't have it out so I was like <laughs> what the heck did they not understand that it's not so, coming out today Bad Nubbles it was done funny. screwed up but yeah they we, definitely did <laughs> we got to it nights like early twice <laughs> early twice which I'm, physical I'm, and, and digital <laughs> <laughs> we've had plenty of time to actually mull over and delve into the book yeah but our opinion I think is obviously what we want to care about I think the opinion opinion of the book is amazing yeah it's amazing. like yeah it's something that dragon age fans have been craving it is literally fan service for every dragon age yes fan. but it's more than fan service because fan service are just catering to the fans this is catering to everyone if you're interested in the law if you're interested in certain characters if you're just interested in solas this book caters to everyone, everyone and that's what i loved about it reading each of the stories there's something for everyone there's something for people who are just interested in antivan culture you know we can talk about spoilers now there's people who are very much interested in the plot of Red Larry Meidel. What's going on for Dragon Age 4? The Dreadwolf Rising. And we have a lot of that. And on top of that, we have callbacks to Skyhold. We have callbacks to certain types of characters like Dorian and Mervaris. What are they doing? And then we even have mentions of characters like Veya and Sir Aaron. So this book caters to every single Dragon Age fan, in my opinion. The comics, the lore fans, the, the ones who are interested in the story, the ones who care about certain characters. And even romance, you know, the Antivan romance story, Little Talons, which yeah, encompasses all that. So it really caters to every single Dragon Age fan. 
on. I really am interested in how they're going to wrap this up, obviously. There is yeah. a lot of places that they're mentioning, and I'm really hoping that yeah. the game they're going to include every single yeah. one because yeah. it's it's been a lot of content that they've literally put on paper that's made you know me and you and some other content creators create more content because there is so much content yeah. to be there is. explored on and each each of these stories have just something that you're like hmm I could make yeah. a whole thing about it you know yeah for example the new protagonist they could be a Raveni Lord of Fortune or they could be a spy potentially a Ben Hasrif a, a Executor or they could be a Twitter Sakari or they could be an X Fan Harel spy. There are so many different ways the protagonist could revolve around from Twin Tonight that we didn't have before. Of course, we had the idea that they may be a spy, but now we can actually spe specify what sort of spy they could be. Yeah, you know? we have specific factions that we've read in the book that we've figured out is happening in this age and that's going to be continuing for the plot of Dragon Age 4. So, yeah, there's tons of uh, characteristics that are going to be mentioned and implemented in the next game. Yeah. Like you said, um, even as well as like Canari is such a big threat. And now we've really, really released that they're kind of weak in their own form because the Antam as well as the Ben Hasra yeah, are divided. not yeah. in the same page of what they should be doing to conquer at least Northern Thetis. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we're going to segue in towards. Uh, but let's begin because we have so <laughs> many stories. But well, as you can tell, you have so many ideas. Exactly. And thoughts, but let's, let's just get into this first. What is your favorite story? My favorite story was Look in the Gardens by Sylvia Petacuti and Half Up Front by John Epler. Now, I did mention a few of us in my review, but I really do love these books in particular. Look in the Gardens was about a lot of fortune, meeting Dorian and Mervaris, of course, as we all know who read it, uh, going on a, on a monster hunt. And I just loved the aspect of that. It really felt like I was reading a book from the Witcher series, but in Dragon Age with its own dark fantasy themes. Yeah. And obviously characters that we love. And in Tavinta, you know, high up in Mimrathis, which, which is a city that we haven't really had much description of before. But now That's we have an detailed. idea of what's going on in Mimrathis, what, exactly. what what goes around, around there. But I really like the story. I just loved the fact that it was different. But I, I attached to the character Holix. I feel like they could be someone significant in the future. But I, I don't know what I loved about it the most. I just, I really liked the monster slaying. I liked Dorian and Mavaris's input. I, I, I liked exploring Tavinta. There was just a lot, yeah. a lot that I attached on in this book. I liked that I one really, a lot. After reading it, I was like, I really loved this one a lot. And then, of course, Half Up Front, which is just... Obviously, we're not mentioning The Dreadwolf Take You, because that's, that's what this entire this, podcast yeah, is about. It will come but up. other than The Dreadwolf Take You, of course, I really enjoyed Half Up Front. And that one very much alludes to many of, of the future themes of Dragon Age. We have Solas's agents, we have Altus families, we have Solas plotting to create a massive feud between the, the Twinter and the Cunari. Uh, and we have relatable characters that, again, will most certainly see in the future. Not to mention, we also see Gat with the Ben Hasrif, explaining the fact that the Antam and the Cunari Ben Hasrif are separate forces, that the Ben Hasrif are a neutral party, and that they are ultimately against Solas. So we learned so much going in that one, and I really did enjoy that one too, just because it was action, it was it had a bit, bit of romance in there, but it was very much nitty-gritty and into the law, so I, I very much like that. What about you, Saria? Uh, so my favourite stories were Eight Little Talons by Courtney Woods, and Genitivi Dies in the End by Lucas Christiansen. I was really surprised by Eightland Little Talons. Me too. Because, I don't know, I'm not really too interested in the Antiven Crows, yeah, yeah. but now I am. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. I'm a big liar because I am. <laughs> I did love the characterization that Courtney Woods did. It was amazing. amazing. Yeah. There was obviously, you, you know, it's it's a kind of like a murder mystery. Yeah. Um, and I Who don't really it? like those plots, but I really did because there was romance in it. Yeah. And yeah. sorry, like, I wanted romance and I was waiting for that to happen. Yeah, and me it too. definitely did. It almost seemed a little, like, in my opinion, kind of anime certain <laughs> romance <laughs> themes. Oh. Because just the way, like, the, the thoughts, because, you know, she's obviously getting into the thoughts of these characters. Yeah. But I really liked them. Now, I know there's, like, a follow-up one. I know people were trying to be a little confused in regards towards, like, should I read it in order? Should I read it, like, synonymously or whatever I want to read? I think that's okay. However, like, with Eight Little Talons, I think you need to read the wig maker job First. in order to understand. I We read it in order. We tried to at least. We read Dental Turkey, like, third. <laughs> But then but we went back in order. We went back in order. Um, and it was good because when I read it in order, I loved A Little Talents because yeah. I read Windmaker Job. So yeah. that, that one was kind of together. You have the two Antiven um, characters. There's then. two Antiven characters, <laughs> Wigmaker Job with the Venatori, the Windmaker, which is basically the two. This is cousin. And then yeah. his grandmother is in A Little Talents. So it made really interesting plot. So it's actually plot. the only story that really has following characters. It's kind of exactly. like... Exactly. I was a, surprised it's by that. It's an extension. It's because Courtney Woods obviously wrote both I stories really as hope, well. Exactly. So I really hope at least we see these people. Because yeah. that grandmother sounds hilarious. Um, and I <laughs> loved the... Okay, but also Tinfoil already. Hey. We think that that girl that fell in love with the other guy with yes. the cane. Yeah. So Tia and V, where they get together, and then the Miss Della Morte, which is the grandmother. I thought basically she was the depiction of what we saw in Deception with the crows. Right. She looks exactly... Oh, yeah, we thought that... Yeah, the, the, so they, they're going from Ventus, and then they're going back to Antiva, or wherever they're going. They were, they were previously in Ventus, which is when we saw two crows in Dragon Age Deception. We, so we thought they were exactly those two people. Yeah. Or, but I don't know. She Being was, relatives she was definitely, she was def, that was definitely her. Because her depiction, bronze skin, yeah. elf, yeah. curly black hair, that was definitely her. So, um, yeah. But I don't know about the guy, so. Potentially. We'll interesting. To, yeah, just, maybe have to just ask. Just a tinfoil. Maybe, maybe I might ask. Ask Nunzio on the Bioware social forums or something. Yeah, that would be interesting to yeah. know. Anyways, so yes, I did like eight little talons, and then Genitini dies in the end. Fan I, service, absolute fan it service. It was. I would think it definitely. But that's was. great. That's great. That's what we need as Bioware fans right now. We need fan service. We need to know that Bioware hearing from us. Genitini yeah. So I mean, obviously we've met Genitini in Origins, but however, knowing me, I've always been reading the codices and just wondering who Sister Patrine is. Yeah. And we finally get to know who exactly she is. Yeah. A little pompous. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's honestly pretty cool. The fact that she kind of that on Tom Kinari yeah, it was yeah. funny uh, but it really was interesting to see how these characters fabricated a story that wasn't actually true yeah. in writing um, so which I kind of liked a lot because yeah, it yeah. was it was unexpected you didn't get it at first because I had to like reiterate like yeah, had to that story and... was made up they're yeah. just making up a story and, and but they had aspects of the yes. truth in their story that yes. did go to the Inquisition so they did Get you know they did get some research and they did send that to the Inquisition, but there was some. But obviously they made up the rest of the story for the general public. Right, because some you know they just liked fabricating a lot of truths and they wanted to see more heroic. So no wonder conspiracies are made. 
<laughs> exactly. That's you know, most of the time. And I thought it was also interesting because I did make a recent video about the maker. And I, yeah. I wanted to add it in, but I didn't think it was relevant. Um, how Jenna TV was reading all of this. Like, because there's another Beardathara. And he was reading all this information. And he believes the maker's not real after that. Yeah. Like, after all my work, I'm lying to people. And the other writer's like, uh, it's okay. Like, <laughs> <Chill> <laughs> out, like I'm not an Andrasian man, but... <laughs> <laughs> Jenna TV was in tears and I can only imagine the fact that he's seen Andraste's ashes makes him think that the maker's not real yeah. really set me in the point of view like is the maker not really real or is yeah. it just obviously sorry. obviously <laughs> I know but it just was really interesting to honestly oh, yeah. see these characters react all this stuff yeah. unless it could be a fabrication of the story i don't know but i don't think it was but <laughs> that, it was... that part was genuine yeah yeah well speaking of those stories we know who they are written by mostly but who are your favorite authors throughout this book so mine is patrick weeks and the dreadful turkey which i know is the general default i very much enjoyed sylvia Petacuti. she yeah. did down by the dead men and she did look in the gardens very much i loved her environmental storytelling i loved the way she did characters I just loved everything about her writing, and I've loved both those stories, so I'm giving massive props to Sylvia Petacuti. What agree. about you? She did really well. I really, really loved John Epler. Yeah, and, I mean, and, yeah. And how he wrote a lot of things. I was not even expecting him to be a writer, but I think he did amazing. It's been his dream, you know. Exactly. He's, he's been a cin cinematic director and he's always dreamed about writing and he got his first or one of his shots here in tonight's and he did yeah fabulous he did work. fabulous he, he just hit it right in the target um with these stories yeah he showed the dark aspect which i mean he's the narrator so like he's the narrator director so, so thankfully yeah you we're know, getting some dark getting a lot themes. of dark storytelling yeah exactly so and then also courtney woods obviously who wrote the antiven crows i did love the characterization she did she always hits in the in, yeah she was very the nail when, when she comes to characterization and, and that's then, not a you know not a hit on the back about every other writer because they did amazing yeah. jobs just our particular you know ones that we, we liked to their love. their story because we when we read it we read it out loud yeah, so yeah. the way when we were reading out loud is just those were very easy to read those yeah. types of stories so um obviously patrick weeks is probably the easiest patrick weeks is, is you but, know, amazing amazing but i do feel like but Sylvia i do feel like these were really John highlighted yeah. again all the authors were amazing. So every single author in this book wasn't was something that was, but was yeah, just you know, giving them some highlight and some shout outs because they did amazing. They did. <laughs> Perfect. And then before we do delve into the main tin foil about breaking down Dread will take you, we want to throw out a few predictions for Dragon Age Four. Now again, I'm doing my own video on this, but you know why not just get a few tin foils out there quickly? Sure. So one of the big things we learned about Twin Tonights was certain areas of Twin Tonights. Where do you think we'll be going in Dragon Age Four? Where was emphasized in Tonight's for you. Uh, to Venter. <laughs> Duh. Well done, PC Gamer. Yeah. To Venter Knights is going to have the area plot in Venter. Who would have thought? And there were some parts of Navarra in Antiva. There which was I huge was surprised, but there was barely any parts of the Enderfels. There's only like two. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really interesting to kind of, or it was really intriguing to kind of see that Antiva was highlighted and even Ravane was highlighted. Yeah. The treasure, the Lords of Fortune. Exactly. I didn't even think those even existed, uh, but I'm not surprised because we knew <laughs> Isabella existed. Yeah, so yeah. she's a pirate. So maybe she is kind of like that now. I think we're going to head into more Navarre and Tavinter areas. Yeah. 
And it, it was confirmed in the Dread Wolf take you that we are kind of in Navarra to Winter area. So, thumbs yeah, up. Yeah, thumbs up. Regarding the Anderfels, obviously the main reason we're going for the Anderfels is to see Grey Wardens at Fortress yes. Rice Up. Now and in Hunger Griffins, not only that, but Griffins. Yeah, Griffins were not mentioned in Winter Nights, but no. that's because the only mention of Fort Weishaupt was in Hunger when two Grey Wardens are going there from... I think they're making the journey up to the Underfells from Navarra. So that's the only mention we did get of Grey Wardens. Obviously we did have Horror of Hammock, but of Fortress Weishaupt. So it's interesting that Griffins weren't mentioned just yet, but it makes sense. But that's something that, you know, we still want to see in the future. So yeah, Underfells is looking quite, you know, not as likely as we would have thought. Yeah. Whereas Navarra and Tevinter and Antiva are equal measure of huge of potential. Yeah. yeah. So that's very much interesting. Plot, we'll talk about that hugely in the Dreadwolf Take You, but there's some really different... Most of the plot was only in Dreadwolf Take You, honestly, because yeah. some of the other ones was plot in that area, for, for instance, lore like, and for, for lore-wise, and we know, obviously, in Navarre, there's the king, so we already kind of knew that in Inquisition, as well as Antiva has no military, we already already knew that, too, and Canari. The only one that we were confused about is the Dread Wolf. so, yeah. obviously, Dreadwolf Take You, we'll mention that in a sec. Yeah. Um, characters, we have so many characters that will affect, we have new ones, like Holic, like the Altus Thief, the, the Grey Wardens, so many characters that were introduced, and I feel like we'll most certainly see a few of them in the future. Vega, Saren, would be yeah, amazing to see them. Those were mentioned in the book, which was not amazing. expected apparently to... Nunzio de Philippus and Christina yeah. Weir, they did not expect to see these characters in the book, and they weren't even they didn't, they weren't even told before the book was released. But if we were, if they were to be in a future game, they would, of course, be, they would be told, and they would work with Bioware, hopefully. But yeah, many characters, factions, again, so many. Cunari Ben Hastrup, Lords of Fortune. We, yeah, we've known way more factions. We only thought there is Canari, Tevinter. Tevinatory exists still. So it's like, yeah, yeah. there's tons that have been mentioned and that are going to be in Dragon Age 4, I believe, so. But the biggest things that we think will affect Dragon Age 4 all relate to the Red Wolf Take You. So I think we're going to just delve straight into talking about this. So let's hit the hammer hard and talk about the Dread Wolf and Solas mm -hmm. and everything we learned about that little tinfoil oh, tea no. party. <laughs> so first things first, um, this story was set in Navarra, Hunterfell, at an aptly named location called the Tea House, which I think is going to now be our podcast location. Sorry I thought that we were in Solas and Twinter. Because of, why not? Why not? No, we've moved location, guys. If you want to come we're to... We're relocated. We're now in... <laughs> Party of two. Hunterfell, <laughs> tea house. We are upstairs. I actually sit in the same seat that Solas was sitting in. Is it nice and cosy? It's huge. It's got like wolf fur underneath it. <laughs> yeah. It's actually really cozy. Um, there's still two statues, actually. There's a dwarf Carter statue and there is an, a, a Navarran Martanatasi that have both been yeah. student statues. Yeah, I think the executor's looking at me a little weird right now. <laughs> so that's where we are, guys. So if you want to come and meet us, then we'll be there. In we'll the be out there. We'll, we'll hook you up with some good tea. One of the biggest characters in this book was Charter. Yeah. Surprisingly. Maybe not so surprisingly for you, because yeah. I know that you know a crap about Charter. So let's just... Why don't you hit me with those Charter tinfoils? Latest volume two has a very detailed explanation of Liliana. It has like basically the whole codex there and explains how she's leaving her legacy on as a spy master to the other guy, which we barely know his name, and Charter. And it's really amazing because I was like, Charter, 
has been such a side character that's been pushed to the side that we've only like really talked to a couple of times. And I thought she was such a cool character because yeah. it really just like what delve deep into World of Theta's volume two There's about so much all the aliases she's known as, the Black Heart, and now she's always up to something relating to Inquisition because uh, she's kind of in her own way a spy master for the new times which we've seen in the comics. She's recruiting people. She always has been a recruiter, but she's been doing it more subtly I've seen in the comics. She recruited Veya as well as recruiting Sir Aaron and also Marius, we weren't Tessa. expecting Marius and Tessa because they weren't interested until you know obviously she has a relationship with Tessa yeah. so she has something to fight for. She yep. has something to keep in this world um, which is really good. I feel like that gives her more of a human touch. It does. Humane, <laughs> humane touch. An, even though she's an elf. <laughs> Kidding. But she's has this big alias. She's almost kind of... I don't know if she's trained as a bard. They really, No one really knows about her. Like, no one knows her past. Um, but they do know her character. So I think she's obviously a good character to really put in The Dread Will Take You. Because she is kind of the, the hidden face of the Inquisition. She is. No, that's a good one. Exactly. And she's going to be someone going forward that most likely will be... Be a recruiter a, for... A recruiter, a spy master. Pushing the story forward for whatever the new protagonist will be. I think Charter will be one of the characters that we may meet first or that we'll meet in a significant amount because she's recruiting she's gathering all the spies together and in Dread of Turkey she has gone and gathered all of Thedas's best spies together in one room minus the Cunari Ben Hasrath and the Tevinta Sakari so we still don't really know what those two factions know about Solas and what they know about the Red Grim Idol so there are still, still more secrets to be known about that if that may be uncovered in a future comic book that would be amazing but I don't think Bioware are so lenient as to give the comics that much of a narrative I wish they would but I don't think they will so I think that that will be material for Dragon Age 4 now, quick tinfoil out there. I've seen a few people completely against this, but I am totally for it. I feel like in Dragon Age 4, we're going to have to choose between the Tuvanta Sakari and the Qunari Ben Hasrif. They both have certain aspects and knowledge on Solas, and they have both they both have different ways of defeating him. They both are very much beneficial to our small group of spies, or whatever we will be in Dragon Age 4. However, of course, they have their cons. Tuvinta, I don't really know that many cons against them, other than, you know, they're against the Qunari, and they are, you know, kind of a hectic government. Whereas the Cunari obviously seek to destroy all magic and they want to invade Thedas. But of course, you know, it sounds like a big massive epidemic that we would have a choice to choose between either. Or, you know, choosing between the Twinter or choosing between the Cunari's help. Uh, we've and we've had that a lot in every single game. In Origins, it was like Landsmeet as well. Yes, yeah, Landsmeet. Landsmeet, and even if you wanted to survive as a Great Warden um, for the great, the, the ritual, not the great ritual, but the ritual with Morgan um, as well. As in two, mages or Templars, or even if you can side with the Qun a little bit, because sometimes you exactly, can. Exactly, exactly. Um, as well as in Inquisition, again, mages and Templars, or lay. Yeah. It's, it's pretty simple to see that big yeah. factions are a big choice that yeah. have been implemented exactly. to choose from. And they're in and there I for a reason. And I think that's really good. Yeah. And Dread really Take You emphasizes all of these big factions. And, you know, we've got to think about the reality of Dragon Age 4. You know, it's going to be a battle against an elven god who wants to destroy the world. You know, I've seen a lot of people be like, well, you know, Tvinter and Kunari, I, I wouldn't want to go with either of them because they both have their own things. 
But again, that's why it's Dragon Age. It's morally grey. You've got to make that choice who you want to choose to then try and save the world. You're thinking about the greater good here. So I totally think that that would be a choice for Dragon Age 4, um, you know, to, to bolster the ranks. You know, it's a, it's a Dragon Age game. You've got to have choices and consequences somewhere. You've got to have allies. We're not just going to defeat Solas by simply rocking up there and, and you know, smacking us out against him. We have to have allies. We have to have yeah, people. We have to have power. We have to have power, exactly. And I'm not thinking it's going to be like Inquisition. I feel like we're going to be some sort of spy and we're going to be making ourselves known to these spies and then taking, you know, a member of them for, as a companion and then having somewhat of a, of a rapport with them. We're not going to be an Inquisition leading them into battle. We're not going to be deciding for them. But we are going to be bringing them in and our small group of spies and expanding that network even further. So that's, that's my prediction. But I do think that those two factions were left out for a reason of course, and that's something that we're gonna see in the future. But the other factions, now what do we have? We have the Carta Dwarf. We've always said Carta Dwarfs like every single game. That Apparently they, they're knowledgeable, you know? Yeah, I guess, with, with Lyrium. Most Lyrium, of it's Lyrium. Red Lyrium. Um, they've basically been delving in regards towards, we've, we've obviously known about the Titans. There's nothing much about the Titans lately. Um, they know that Lyrium is such a big income for the Dwarves that white is bad for business. Yeah. So finding about Red Lyrium and learning about it has been bad um, for their business. So that's why they've got that so intrigue. So that's why they have and... that intrigue about what's going on. Like it keeps growing. It keeps, it's bigger. Yeah. Apparently Lyrium, Red Lyrium is just kind of everywhere at this point um it's it's not it's affecting the business i guess of lyrium trade and then we have we have the orlesian at least we thought the orlesians were interested in at least the bad operations in Orle were interested in coming to this meeting and they probably originally were however it isn't gaucher as original as it was originally intended it's actually solas wearing a friggin mask dragon mask where using an Orlesian accent and not drinking tea and a wig and a wig which is absolutely the most hilarious thing to ever Imagine. surface in the dragon Age community and i've seen so much fun out of that that it's just it's hilarious it, it Amazing, absolutely amazing. I think the most amazing thing is the fact that Solas was found out to be Solas because he didn't drink his tea. So, tea. You gotta just pick some coffee, dude. Like. <laughs> but that proves that tea is going to be the biggest enemy against Solas. Exactly, so we need to go get make some tea. Like, we need to go find That's tea. That's the plot, you know. Do you side with the Cunari or the Twinter to make the best tea? Makes what is the best, the best tea brew? against what's the best brew to kill that dude who likes eggs who's, who like who likes to be a wolf for some reason <laughs> the allegians were originally interested but solas is at this meeting in the flesh and then we have the navaran martalatasi now of course we didn't know little about them but now we know so much about the martalatasi they come from the grand necropolis they're death mages they, they bind spirits to corpses in the grand necropolis um, and we learn that solas has actually forbidden that magic they are going to be huge help going forward because they're amazing mages. They themselves are prideful against being better than Tavinta. So who better than to get Navarin Mosharatasi? Specific death mages that are doing magic that Solas specifically hates because it undoes his work. So the Mosharatasi are going to be huge in Dragon Age 4, in my opinion, for getting them as a faction, getting them on our side. I don't think they will be a, they will be a choice that we have to choose. I think that they're going to be something that is just going to be given. You know, we're in yeah. Tavinta, we're in Navara, and the Mosharatasi are pretty much on our side because we're against the Dread Wolf and we have many reasons to be. And then the next major faction that are in this. That really surprised all of us, yeah. at least me, uh, is the executor. 
I was not expecting them. I thought they were just kind of like a little tidbit or Easter egg. Literally, like we did videos and we've done, we've talked about the executives in the past, like so much to a point of they could be a playable character, they could be a faction, but it was really just tinfoil that. But now, literally, them being in this meeting confirms their presence. Yeah. Like it's not just a random myth or a theory out there. They have a presence in the current narrative of Dragon Age Four. And Patrick Weeks was doing this for a reason. He wanted us. He wanted everyone to think that if any. If Solas was going to be anyone, he'd be the executor and not the bad. And oh my goodness, he totally, literally swooped us over there. But no, the executors, they have a huge, large piece in this puzzle because Solas kills one. You know, that executor ain't going back to his place beyond the ocean. You know, there's going to be a missing executor somewhere and they're going to notice that and they're going to go, where was this dude's last location? It was Hunterfell in the tea house. Well, what happened to him? You know, and I'm assuming Charter will report back to them. But they are going to be vengeful against that. I don't think they will let a member of theirs be killed so easily. Yeah, they have definitely have some threat that's against Solas. They have, and that's why he kills them. Because there's something ominous or threatening about them that he sees as a huge problem against his plan. So the Executors are going to be a huge faction in the future, again, to deal with. And there's so much that we could tinfoil and speculate about. Exciting. But, you know, I, I have my own ideas about the Executors. Are they controlled by a Titan? Are they Glenan's creations? What are they? They're known to be genderless, or they could be genderless. At least this executor, you can't tell what their gender is. They wear Varantium robes. You can't see what they look like. Now, they could just be human. They could just be a cult. They could be so many things. But it's good to, you know, get, get some ideas The way ideas they talk, there. it's like all in italicized. It's like it's not, it's not a voice. It's a presence. Oh, boy. <laughs> this yeah. just sounds so interesting. I can't wait to actually see, um, at least in the game, because I don't know where else they're going to be mentioned. But that was definitely fan service for me, because I was like, what? Me we have too. an executor? It's like, what? It was amazing. And the fact, yeah, as you said, their italicized is hilarious. Everything yeah. they say is like, how do they speak? You know, how do we, you know, we were doing interpretations for each character, but how do you do an interpretation for an executor? When you never even heard them. So again, yeah. they're going to be, you know, there's something there for the future. I don't know what it is. I don't know how major they're going to be or if they were just used for the story. But I don't know, man. I think there's something going forward for them. Charter comes in and the meeting is precisely about learning about the Dread Wolf. Right. Learning about what he's doing, what his motives are, as well as what factions has he gained as in, in this whole plot throughout these yeah. years. What's gone on with Solas since trespassing exactly. events, basically? Since, since he escaped the Inquisition, since he his, what happened since then? Yeah, and I guess the good thing with all these characters is that they have their own story to fabricate into the plot of how they personally saw the Dreadwolf or yeah. how they personally believe the Dreadwolf was involved with. You know, in the Carto as well, he was, they were talking about what he's factioned with. Then we know the Mortalitasi, which we're going to go ahead and is really towards the Red Lyrium Idol. Yeah. That's the one thing that they only can hit on is in, in a similar theme is the Red Lyrium Idol. Yeah, they all talk about certain aspects of the Red Wolf, but the main big standout thing, at least the first one, is the Red Lyrium Idol. And more specifically, where the heck is it? Where in Andraste's Nicker Weasels is this bloody idol? And we learn a lot about this, and we're going to run through it quickly, but firstly, it was in Meredith. Somehow, it stayed in Meredith's Cops. So, the Blade's certainty, even though the idol was made out was of it... was not expecting that. From its explosion, it then was just stored inside Meredith's Red Lyrium statue body. So, I don't know I how I guess it, happened. like, exploded and absorbed in her? Yeah, the energy maybe went inside her and it recreated... I, 
I don't know. But again, retcon. It was a time where I was body. <laughs> Using a potion by a Dalish elf, which has unknown origins, but probably so last, they used the potion to get to get the Red Lurium Idol out of Meredith's body. While ancient elves attacked the carter, the carter escaped with one carter left, and then he gave the Red Lurium Idol to Tevinter, selling it to House Quintara. House Quintara took it back to Tevinter. More specifically, House Daenerys. Then a, a man from House Daenerys took it to the Grand Necropoli in Navarra. Then the Navarra Mozart Tassi used the Red Lurium Idol with blood magic and binding spirits to create a ritual that would stop the Cunari Antam from invading Tevinter and the northern areas. Yes. The thing about this Red Lurium Idol is, is it a blade? Is it an idol? Is it both? Does it transform to something? Because we know, at least through the text of Dreadwolf Take You, that it really states it's not merely an idol, but a ritual blade. Right. Where he slashed his own hand, a wave of power pulsed to the the cavern. It was though as we were the blood and the cavern was the body. Exactly. It's almost like the ritual when they were doing it, she was in charge of basically like binding like the spirits. The whole time it turns into a freaking sword and we're like, is it certainty? Is, yeah, is so a sword pops from the idol? How I don't, I don't know, you know, it says a sacrificial dagger or a sacrificial sword. The only sword we know is certainty, but is it a different blade? Is it just a little like a jab of red lurium? What is it? But apparently there's a sacrificial blade, that, there's a ritual blade that comes from the idol somehow. Apparently, and then we know after that, that really threatened the dread wolf to come yeah. in his own guise. Yeah. To threaten them that they are ruining all creation by doing this ritual. The the magic of banning spirits and blood magic is banned because it ruins his ritual. So therefore, he's against it. And that has outlawed both factions. But this Red Lurium Idol managed to escape the Grand Necropolis with with a different Tevinter mage who ran back into Tevinter. Now, of course, as we know from the comics, again, this is a lot of, you know, faff on, but the the, the Red Lurium Idol was sold from House Quintara to House Daenerys. And then, of course, that's how it got to Navarra. But now it's back in Tevinter. So that means many things. First of all, what the heck are the comics leading up to other than to build up certain characters? Um, Originally, it felt like they were leading up to answering this Red Lurium question. But then now it's going in a different direction. Secondly, where is this Red Lurium idol now? It's back in Tevinter, so perhaps the comics could still have relevance in the future because, again, the comics are set in Tevinter and this Red Lurium idol is now back in Tevinter. Thirdly, is this idol actually in Tevinter because Solas then comes in and shares his own story, which I believe is a complete ruse because, of course, he has many lies and small details in there. The fact that an Olesian bard would know, would know more Kunlat than actual Elven, the fact that they wouldn't know the Elven word Alluvian, there are a lot of subtle things that Solas points out that are fibs. So I don't actually think the Red Lurium Idol is in Solas's possession, meaning that it's still out there. Again, this is a massive red herring. It's a MacGuffin. As you can tell, it's crazy. We don't know where it is, but I believe it's still in Tevinter. Yeah, that's typical because we know the last ritualistic item we had was the orb, so... Yeah. Um, and the anchor, so it's like, what's next? Oh, the Red Lurium Idol. It's kind of... Uh, yeah, I agree. It's a little bit too MacGuffin. It is there a, a word? It, a MacGuffin-y? A little yeah. too much, almost? It is too much, in my opinion, because, you know, the Idol was just destroyed in Dragon Age 2 and now it's brought back and it's fine but now it is like okay so it's here it's here it's here, it's here and now it's back here or is it here it's like a wild goose chase at this point with this idol however then we finally actually realize what the dread wolf looks like which is very interesting because in the other there's another writing where they go back to skyhold and yes. the last picture of the mural that was only sketched 
is literally the Dreadwolf as well. Yes. So we have not only a depiction, but a very detailed depiction um, that he's like half dragon and then a lupin appearance of a dragon, basically. Yeah. So he's like half a dragon, half a wolf. Yeah. And this big wings of death, like crazy pride demon looking wolf. Yeah. We, very we, scary. We're literal, literally walking on hordes of demons. That's how you. That's how you, you know he hovers. Literally, he has hordes of demons that practically. <laughs> They're like holding him, him up. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if you've seen like that like meme where it's like this guy holding a cough. These guys holding a cough. <laughs> Yeah. He's literally like that. He's like being held up by by all these lesser demons. The... He was pretty triggered when he came into that. <laughs> oh, ritual. he was triggered. He killed the Tevinter mage who was wielding the idol, and he sent his demons out there, which destroyed the Grand Necropolis. Which hence why the Red Room idol was out of there because the Tevinter mage escaped. But the actual um, the paint the fresco that was revealed reveals that Solas absorbed Mafal's power to then become the Dread Wolf. So does that mean that Mafal is also in Solas, or does that mean that Mafal is somewhere else? Does that mean that Mafal is dead? I think that Mafal put a piece of herself in the Alivian for safekeeping, as she did in Dragon Age 2, put a piece of herself in an amulet, so then she could be saved and we killed her in Dragon Age Origins. I think that she has put uh. a piece of herself in an Alivian so that Solas can absorb her power, become the Dread Wolf, using aspects <laughs> of her power, but not all of her power. So then Mafal, <laughs> a shard of her, still exists and is going to be put in a different vessel, a different body, perhaps Morrigan, perhaps the vessel of Mafal who drank from the well, or perhaps a completely different body, or even or one... Or the new protagonist. <laughs> or even maybe one of Flameth's other daughters. Either way, I don't think Mafal's dead, but I do think Solus absorbed the majority of her power, because he needed to rise as a dread wolf, and so forth he has. So that's why he has aspects of a dragon, which is freaking crazy. But yeah, I don't think Mafal's dead, she's still out there, but because of her sacrifice, Solus has indeed risen as a dread wolf. And I do believe that the Red Loom Idol still does show this sacrifice that Solas has taken her power to rise as a Dread Wolf. And that's what the Lyrium Idol displays. It's Mafal, it's Solas. I don't know what it is, but it certainly looks like it. However, the Red Lyrium Idol does belong to Solas. Whatever that means, he touches it, he caresses it. So it belongs to him. So what the heck does that mean? Well, I at least when I see, because we do know the depiction of the Red Lyrium Idol as two lovers, you know, two lovers mourning, you know, two lovers with each other, or a goddess mourning her sacrifice. It almost seems like these two people that they're really high, because there's a third person in the back. They didn't really care about that third person that's like "Ah," in the back, (laughs) but these two people that. You, she, she's hugging this other person, which we're obviously going to tell that Solus Mythal doesn't say in because it's not a human and it's not a dwarf, so it's an elf, <laughs> meaning it's going to be Mythal. And we were right the whole time, but that's another story for later. Anyways, they're merged together in this yeah. one way. Yeah. How are they merged together now? They are. Yeah. So true. It's true. almost like, yes, of Very course this true. idol is his because he's merged as Mythal, and Mythal's in there. Yeah. As well as that could be solaced within that idol. So of yeah. course he's going to claim it as his. Maybe if you drank from the well, the third person in that idol is the Inquisitor. Because again, you'd be merged with Mafal. Maybe. Be- because that person only has one arm. That's true. That's a, that's a theory. <laughs> it's a tinfoil. This is a tinfoil tea party. Sorry, what you have? <laughs> just literally, we could just rename this as Red Larry and Lytle tinfoils at this point. Because the highlight of the Red Wolf take you was really the highlight of the Red Larry and Lytle. Much of and it. We know Much in the, of it. And obviously, um, in the Dread Wolf Rises trailer, the Red Larry and is right in the middle of the mural. And that's a big highlight to what his ritual is meaning. Yeah. Um, this ritual obviously somehow seems to hurt spirits 
but helps him for his ritual. Obviously, we know probably to break the veil, weaken the veil, but it's like, what is it? What are we chasing? What exactly does it do? We don't, it's very potent, but people can handle it and put it in different places. And obviously it's transportable. Yeah. And yeah. obviously Solus is obsessed with it and caresses it yeah. like so, a freaking child. Like, what is this thing? I know, what is it? And, and it's, you know, it has a ritual blade, which seems important, but we, again, it, there are so many things that are in this that we still don't rightly know. So it's something that we're just going to have to put the hats off for now and keep that Red Larry model in mind for either a future comic, a future book, or Dragon Age 4. I really do hope, though, that a lot of Dragon Age 4 isn't going to be finding the idol again. I do hope that it's more quickly answered. I don't know. I don't mind that as long as it's interesting, but there has been so much, you know, wild goose chase of this idol that if it's just like, spend 75% of the game looking for this idol, that's going to be a little bit annoying. But again, we're going to have to see when Dragon Age 4 comes out. But another huge part of the Red Wolf Takey was, of course, the Dread Wolf. And Solas has risen as Red Wolf. So I don't know what they're talking about by the Red Wolf Rises teaser trailer. Because Solas has already risen. You know, the next Dragon Age game... He's just vibing with his Red Wolf guys. But this, the next Dragon Age game shouldn't be called the Red Wolf Rises. Because he's already risen. You know, he's already the Red Wolf. He's already scary. He's already got Maybe his... they're letting us know he's rising. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe when they were writing to Pintonex, they were like, we'll create a trailer because he's rising right now. <laughs> Maybe in 2018, December, the Dread Wolf was rising. <laughs> yeah, exactly, but, uh, guys. But he's risen, you know, and he is scary, and he has hordes of demons working with him, willingly. He has ancient elves, daily shelves, he has networks of agents, he has many people. It's becoming known as Fenhrel cultists. He is really building up to be a most worthy adversary. But this Dread Wolf himself is most intimidating and scary. And as I've said before, I cannot wait to see him in Dragon Age 4. I can't wait to have some sort of just ominous, you know, we're going, we're going through a certain level and it's like a, a creepy environment, where, where, you know, we're going on a heist, whatever, and we're in like an ancient forest. And then we just see this Dread Wolf rising. Perhaps we see Solas before walking out in Alluvian and he's so triggered it's transitions into a dread wolf and we just see this massive tall wolf speaking to us rawr <laughs> so, xd xd <laughs> <laughs> wow something that i'm wondering though is how when he speak does he like speak like a like a live action disney rawr. movie like does, does he does he have actual lips is lip sync is he speaking like with his mouth like his jaws or does he speak like a presence like in princess mononoke where the wolf just has a presence and it speaks and the voice kind of erupts from it but it doesn't actually have its, its awkward mouth moving i think it's gonna be a presence yeah, I think so too. That sounds scarier. <laughs> I think if we see his mouth moving and it's, it would just seem gimmicky and like a puppeteer. <laughs> like, <laughs> but like, oh, you're not as intimidating. Um... But if it's like a present and it's like his voice surrounds it, that would be amazing. But yeah, he speaks. Like he can actually talk as a dread wolf, which yeah, is Yeah, but I think we should also know like the dread wolf is kind of like, I wonder if he's, because he's like spiked and burning eyes, wings of fire. I wonder if he's kind of like, you know, like horror harmark where they're kind of like grossly grotesque. like half these like half yeah. dark spawn, half scorpion, like grotesque looking right. half wolf, half dragon because he's not fully her like fully methal because she left one shot oh, out that's a good idea yeah, but she's like he's kind of like corrupted and that i don't know that would look scary like and he's terrifying. actually what if he had like a scorpion tail no not that's a scorpion cool. tail but he's like a no, dragon like, tail like his dragon wings are kind of like jagged and oh, like, okay like, that'd be cool he's, he's almost like bleeding out or something like that because it's maybe he's it's got painful. like some horns from drag from the dragon farm and he's got like a wing and a dragon tail but it's got his wolf body and his hair <laughs> imagine him moving and it's like his tail he's like i don't know how to use this tail He's like so. He's so used, or like he doesn't know how to fly, and he like hits the. That's why he has demons that fly for him. 
Oh, that's true. They're holding him up. Yeah, yeah. Dude, you're kind of heavy. That would be a cool point. <laughs> that would be cool as to why he's weak and why we could defeat him because he isn't fully there yet. Yeah. And maybe he does need Mathal's essence or he needs something else. Then hence the Red Lyrium Idol. That that gives that makes sense. You know, he needs to be then become Red Lyrium or he needs to be corrupted. He or loves he these be... artifacts, doesn't he? Because like the other artifact that we were mentioned in Tevinter Nights as well was the what is like the shard of like the Black City, Dumat's Folly. Dumat's Folly, yeah, which is which, which holds was like a magic fake one, it. but yeah. then there was like it was like similar to Dumat's Folly because it it was like nearby the Black City and it was like a bomb. Yeah, and it was just like oh my gosh dude like, well, what is solace wine out of his this? ancient elves are looking for other artifacts yes. and it'll be other ways to destroy the veil or to rise even further as a dread wolf so there he are many artifacts there are many things that that's why we're going to be a spy in dragonish for because we're going to be hunting these artifacts before we get to him because we need to obviously get those before he gets them and use them against him i imagine yeah that'd be cool maybe a lord's of fortune because they're like used to getting all these artifacts yeah we were a hired lord of fortune and then we become into this group of, you know, the executor, you know, people working together like the executors and the Mertalatasi and the Inquisition. And they're all, you know, kind of robust at the start and there isn't much going for them and they're a small network who are desperate. And then we build them up into a, a bigger network and we, we, we grow from there. Wherever our hub be or whatever we're doing, I think that that's a good prediction for Dragon Age 4. Now that we've read his story, do you really believe he's a liar? I think that Solas certainly lied in this book. It's revealed that everyone had a few fibs here and there. The dwarf didn't want to tell everyone that that they actually sold the idol to to Vinter. They wanted the, the, they wanted to believe that they were sold out by the Templars. The Maltartasi mage didn't want them to know that the Tevinter man used blood magic and that they knew about it. They they wanted the ritual to succeed yeah. and they lied about that. And then we have, of course, um, Solas lying about it was, yeah, it was many almost, things. Almost like comparing lies. Yeah. And his was like the biggest one. because I, I Biggest think, fib because he was like, well, well, Charter was like, well, Bards are not like that. But because, I think he wanted to see if he could get away with it because they lied too. Because they were lying too. Yeah, so he wanted to see who was the biggest liar. Well, you know, you lied about that, you lied about that. So I'm going to see if I can get away with this lie and this lie. But he doesn't know too much about what, a, what it would be like to be a bard. So as we know, Solas is not good undercover. <laughs> So that's something that we know from the future. Because he, he doesn't know much about this world, I think. He doesn't know much about Orlesian culture as well, or, or how much he does, an yeah, average he just elf would know. Yeah, he doesn't know much of this world as much as, like, everybody else would. Yeah. So, I, I mean, the fact that he lies on this means to me that he doesn't have the idol. I think that's a ruse to the group so that they don't look, go looking for it, or so they don't know that he's going to succeed anyway, or that he's already got it, so that they can stop. You know, why would he tell them their entire plan? He does share some insights into the Cunari about them invading, potentially invading all of Ant- uh, the, the, the majority of Northern Antiva and the majority of Northern Twinter and that their invasions will continue and that you can see the majority of Northern Antiva will be invaded. So he does share some insights in, in there before he gets to his story. And he shares a lot of insights about returning characters that we know in Dragon Age that may not return because he knows about them. And of course, if he knows about them, that's bad for business because we're looking for a character and we're looking for a group of people that don't know Solas or don't know him by his name or he doesn't know and the fact that he knows Talis, Sebastian, Isabella, um, the the Ava and a few others like the, the Liliana and sorry the Divine and a most intriguing warden commander who is probably the hero of Ferelden but take that as you will means that we probably won't see them again or as much of them or there won't be a whole presence on, of them we might just hear about them in, in books or in letters or in codexes but we certainly won't be seeing them again which really is bad for me because I really wanted to see Isabella again as a pirate captain maybe as a hub but I, we're, we're gonna have to see what's gonna happen with that 
I think she could get away because she's a pirate and she has a ship so she can just escape. But the fact that she is known to Solas is bad for business. But again, he specifically says things in this story for a reason. He wants Charter to know that he knows about those. He wants Charter to know that he has the idol. He wants Charter to know that the Cunari are invading. He wants, he's only saying things strategically for a reason. And also because he has to share something. Otherwise, he would appear to be not sharing something and he would be called out likely executor but i do think that a lot of things he did say were a lie and i don't think he has the idol again as i said as a ruse so that means the idol is still out there and of course it's going to be a plot for dragon age 4 and also it's worth knowing that tavinta sakari and nikunari ben hasraf weren't there so he can't find their knowledge too so he still doesn't know what they what they know about him so perhaps he might be going after them or perhaps he probably has spies going after them i doubt he'll go there in person but they still have knowledge that he doesn't know well, what is his ritual? What is his ritual? I don't Tear know. Tear down the veil, but... But what is it doing? It's in the fade. He's... He, he's bound... Why is it taking such a long time? Just do it, bro. Yeah, he's given us a couple of years to live in peace. Um, I don't know. Is his ritual demons attacking the veil? Eating the veil. They're hungry. Well, obviously, we know that he does need the red lyrium idol. Yeah, and yeah. when you do a ritual, I guess, with it, it kind of ruins his progress of the ritual. When you, so, when you, when you, when you, is he trying spirits? to just like capture it so no one touches it or no one bothers it? Maybe he has spirits looking for memories of where the idol is. So when you're binding spirits, it's using the spirits for a different purpose. When you know, when you're, you know, using them for, for the Mosalatasi, it's taking them away. When you're using blood magic, you're using demons, that takes them away from their purpose or whatever their purpose is. Obviously, they're demons, so it's different. But it's taking them away from what they're already doing. Yeah. So it's something to do with the spirits well, and the demons. And the thing is, like nowadays, that we know that these these spirits are quite rare, and they will only be reborn with completely different memories, and they won't even know like the past world. Yeah. So that's like not Solus's goal to kill down all these demons. So yeah, of course, when they're binding these spirits to these certain purposes to like kill, yeah, yeah. they're gonna be corrupt and exactly. they're gonna turn into demons. And he so doesn't want that. He doesn't want that. Even though he could have more demons to make him fly. Well, they believe in his cause to tear down the veil so yeah, that they true. can become one with the waking world like Barlathon, which we know was worse than what it is right now but i guess you gotta pick two poisons <laughs> um yeah his ritual obviously is lasting a couple of years so that's where we come in and that's just... where we come in and start doing a we just break the idol so that's trigger the him the mortality and Devinter have stopped his work and that's why they hate him but literally upon impact of their disruption he killed them straight away or he sent demons after them so you know if we continually do that he's just gonna get triggered and kill us again so it's gonna be we're gonna need something against that ritual perhaps a dreamer perhaps another Wait. god perhaps some you gotta sort be careful of... with dreamers because he he it's gotta be just a certain character that just is not seen by him well Solas can also kill people in their sleep as well he yeah can kill dwarves. dwarves so it needs to be someone who is most ominous like I think that it's going to be something like an executor because we don't know anything currently in the law that could kill him. You know, we think of a dreamer, well, he can kill them as well because he's also a dreamer. We think of, you know, an elven god. Well, you know, there are no current elven gods in the current timeline because they're all behind the veil. So it's got to be something that we don't know or that we don't expect. Or it could be something brand new, like a titan born, like a titan, like some sort of dwarf infused lyrium, like Valter. <laughs> we could have, you know, an, a, maybe an elven god comes in the future. Maybe we have a dreamer or maybe we have an executor. But it's yeah. going to be something that we don't really know right now or that we can't put the pieces towards. Or it's something that's very minuscule that will become big. It's, you know, and, you know, we have to also learn how to brew tea. Exactly, because we've got to... <laughs> maybe that's the ritual and planning that we can throw tea at him. He's going to ban tea in Thetis. Like Boston. That's his ritual. Yeah, he's banning tea for life. Yeah. No more tea for Dolan. Why don't you go somewhere called the Tea House and not drink tea? 
or not even take a sip of it. Like we saw one was, well, why were half of them not even getting tea? Like one of them was getting like coffee. The yeah, other one was getting like wine. Yeah. The other one was like, yeah. mm, the tea <laughs> doesn't taste good. And then she, of course, Charter gets like a normal British tea. Like, is she Freldon? We don't know. Oh, free marches. Yeah, yeah. She like the last we know is from Wickham. So we guessed free marches, but okay. I don't know at this point. I feel like she has a Freldon accent. Yeah, she definitely does, but. And Tessa, what is Tessa? Freldon? Mm -hmm. Tessa's Freldon? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe she does, like, uh, British tea. Yeah, she probably does. Yeah, and the thing is, I guess I should mention at the end, is that, yeah, we finally have Charter that actually, like, believes in the cause to stop the Dread Wolf. That Obviously, the Inquisition does want to stop the Dread Wolf. Even yeah. if we romance, even if we were befriended or enemies with him, we still want to make sure that we're helping stopping this because we yeah. want to live in this world. And we've obviously, we know that there's a lot of things that need to be fixed. However, the Blights are not what we really expected them to be. Yeah. But the end of them could be the worst of them, so we don't know what's no, happening. But the Inquisition certainly are going forward because, of course, Solus was their buddy, and they need to they need to stop eradicate him. that buddy. But I was talking to you like long, probably after we f finished reading it, how when we go to these new factions, they're gonna blame a lot for the Inquisition yeah, with this their, new threat. Yeah, they are. Especially if you're also a friendly Inquisitor, because you were his friend, you trusted him more than an enemy, because you know then a rivalry. You know, we'll keep your enemies close. What if you romanced him? You're gonna have a hard time in Dragon Age 4. I know. You know, did you hear that the Inquisitor was, was you know, in cahoots with Solas? So? He dumped me. <laughs> so? No, but obviously, obviously we, the Inquisitor coming back is a different topic, and we talked about that before. Yes. But I do feel like that will be reinforced, that has been reinforced with Divinity Knights, because even though the Inquisition isn't directly being involved, Charter and the remaining spies going forward are, and I think that that is then going to be a, a good contact for them to be like, well, let's talk to the Inquisitor. Well, let's bring the Inquisitor on this. And also, Tavin tonight's ends on the notion that Solas is again sorry to the Inquisitor and the Charter should report that, that he's sorry and that he is not a god and that he is just doing what he must. But again, he mentions that he's sorry to the Inquisitor, so of course, there's still that feeling I forgive there. him. Totally. I forgive him doing some mass annihilation. Totally. But yeah, well, there's still, you know, <laughs> there's still that empathy there. Totally. But there's still the notion that the Inquisitor is somewhat involved or that they're at least, you know, hearing reports from Charter. So most certainly going forward, I hope we see our Inquisitor again. But there'll definitely be nods to them and there'll definitely be reports from them, I can only imagine. Yeah, I can only imagine the report that Charter gave. Uh, Inquisitor? He was wearing an Solace was wearing, <laughs> like, he literally was here at the meeting. He was doing... Wait, what? He was wearing... He was telling that guy out so quickly <laughs> he was uh he was having an Elysian accent he was not drinking his tea and he had a wig on and oh my goodness you should have totally seen it <laughs> that would have been interesting if we pretended we're the executor and then he touches our hand and be like he touches the hand and there's no hand he's like keeps touching it <laughs> but it, like there's no hand to touch <laughs> but the executor yeah, exactly. So that would be hilarious. That would be hilarious. Wait, that, wait, what? You don't have a hand. So they do. They do have touchable features then. Yeah. So you can touch them. That's what we know. You can touch an executor. I'm gonna be sad if they're just a human. I'll be like, oh great, another human. I want them <laughs> to be something new. I don't want them to be elves. I don't well, want them to be, be scaled ones. Elves. That would be, that, that, that's, but that's something that we haven't, I, I, don't, I, I mean like, I don't want them to be like, oh, they're ancient elves. I want them to be like Gilliland's creations or something that we haven't seen. Ooh. We've seen the ancient elves, we've seen Delish elves, we've seen elves, we've seen dwarves, we've seen canaries and humans. The scaled ones. I want them to be like Gilliland's creations or like something bound intelligent to a Intelligent dark spawn. Intelligent dark, no, we've seen them before. We've seen, no, that's something But what before. if they are? We've done that, done that before. What, something new? Something new. So like, scaled ones, I think scaled ones. Or something like bound to a titan or beings or like aliens. Mm -hmm. 
Ooh, they literally have UFOs over Like there. snow elves. Even though I said I didn't want elves, but like... Snow out, like from Skyrim? <laughs> no, but like, I don't know, something from like a different equator or like a different aspect of sort of, of theater. From Tamriel. They're from beyond... The, <laughs> but they're from beyond the sea, so it's got to be something that's, you know, further away, that's distinct enough than an ancient elf or a human. So yeah, that's my notion that I'm ending on. What about you? What do you want with me? I like the executors of big titty goth girlfriends. There you go. That's that's gonna be that's a wrap. <laughs> there we go. That's a wrap. Um. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening to our Tinfoil Tea Party. Saria, any upcoming announcements from you? I'm making videos when I can. When she can. Corona sucks. Stay healthy, guys. That's good enough for me. For me, um, I am making videos, of course. I've got my predictions video. I'm working away on it. I'm going to try and get out as soon as possible. But for today, I am celebrating the rest of my birthday, drinking tea. Happy birthday. Wearing tinfoil, of course, trying to remain safe. And trying to get Audi. And trying to get Audi. Hopefully, I have it by this point of recording. But uh, if I don't, I'll put a slow rip in the comments. And you can all play a little Press violin. F for Audi. Press, type F for Audi. <laughs> but um, no, for me, I have news updates coming in the future. Y'all really enjoyed the one I just did. Or I should say, Yins really enjoyed the one I just did. Um, and I'm not going to be doing these just for the clickbait. I'm going to be talking about news when there's news. You know, I would like to do them once a month. So that will be the first of every... Over uh, that would be the first of every month, but it really depends when we do get news. I'm not doing these, you know, every once a month just to talk about like two Mark Darrett tweets. I want to do these when there is news. For now, it looks like there may not be one for the first of May, but we'll see what happens the rest of April. But yeah, I, I really am very much interested in following those once every month. And I know you guys love them, so I will be very much continually to do them. I really want to get more into them because there have been a few, you know, I want to I want to be ready for when we do have news and more substance. And I want to build my own channel up for that. And of course, I am doing that, but I want to get better at it and better at it and better at it. And I am. But I want to get better. So yeah, I am going to be continually doing those. But, uh, but keep aware that if we do have one, they'll be coming out the first of every month. Obviously covering the previous month's news. Make but, sure the Dread Wolf doesn't take you. But I hope you... <laughs> I'm kidding. But I hope you guys stay safe during these times. And uh, yeah, just, you know, if you're bored, you're looking for something to do. Of course, me and Saria have plenty of content during this hard time that you can sink your teeth into. But until then, guys, hope you stay safe. And we... Should go. Go. Tea. I detest this stuff. Tea. Tea. I detest this stuff. Tea. Tea.